In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what the show is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what the impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and every other major podcast platform. Now, I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. I'd like to hear from you, and please tell me what you'd like to hear on this show. But don't forget, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now on to today's show. Some of the major business disasters in the world from the collapse of Enron and Northern Rock to devastating events such as BP's Texas City oil refinery explosion, which was now over 15 years ago, have been blamed on boards. Or at least they have been followed up by the question, where was the board? Now, the scary part is when you look at some of these business disasters, they happen in times that were not as turbulent as today, leaving us with the question, are boards today up to today's challenges? A recent report that I just read done by Deloitte on the challenges of boards and the challenges boards are facing today states that The way in which boards do their work at this time will be a critical factor in an organization's ability to emerge from the current crisis and push forward into a new era of economic recovery and opportunity for the benefit of all stakeholders. And that was in Deloitte's recent report. So today, we're going to post the question, are boards up to today's challenges? Do they have the right governances in place? And what do they have to do to ensure that they are up to the challenges? And we're going to do that with an expert today. We're going to be speaking with Professor Dr. Dietier Cousin, and he is a professor at IMD Switzerland and the founder-director of the IMD Global Board Center. 
a renowned global clinician in governances, Professor Cuisine is an advisor and executive teacher with large corporations, wealth funds, numerous banks, and organizations from big tech to nonprofit. He is the author of High Performance Boards, Improving and Energizing Your Governance. And this book is available on Amazon. He works with boards and senior leaders to provide the latest thinking on best-in-class board effectiveness, dynamics, and design. Professor Cuisine's areas of interest are strategic and non-strategic investments, risks, governances, including the selection and design of successful strategies by executive committees and boards. He holds a PhD from Harvard University and is a former Fulbright Fellow at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Department of Economics. Before joining IMD, Professor Cuisine worked for Goldman Sachs, Roussel Ulkloff, as it was considering its initial offering on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. He has taught at Harvard University, where he obtained two Derek Book Awards for Excellence in Teaching, and he was a full professor at HEC University of Lausanne. And so welcome, Professor Cosine, to the show. Thank you, Kimberly. It's a pleasure to be with you. So um, let's just kind of start out. You have this new book out. What was your motivation that behind writing that book? You know, I've been working with uh, boards of uh, large organizations around the world uh, for the last 20 years. And, and I have to say your introduction is right to the point. Governance is not so good today. And uh, wherever I go in the world, uh, in the U.S., in uh, I work with... Uh, with large institutions in uh, in Washington, in New York, and in California, whether I go actually to the other side, I work with the Sovereign Wealth Fund of China, whether I go, you know, to the Middle East, where I work with Saudi princes, or or here in Switzerland, where I work with the Red Cross, for example. Uh, so wherever I go, profit, non-profit, uh, uh, financials, where whichever geography. I see boards with major problems. And, uh, and because of my clinical work with these boards, highly confidential, of course, I've decided to try and distill the lessons I was taking for all boards around the world, whatever the culture, whatever the legal environment, whatever, you know, whatever the context that makes great governance. And I wanted to basically have a very practical guide on how to improve an organization's governance. Mm -hmm. And and when we were working with these boards, um, and, and governances are certainly important. Can we just can we just take take a step back for a minute for our listeners and just um, you know the higher responsibility of boards? Can we kind of summarize really what is the board there for? Yeah, very easy. Yeah? Um, first, when people think, I think the immediate definition of the board is who nominates the CEO, right? So that's such a simplest way to think about it. But of course, a board's responsibility is bigger than that. Uh, a board sets the objectives of the organization. It also sets the tone under which we should work to reach these objectives. It does nominate CEO and sometimes the whole team. And uh, 
there is also a role in supervising and ensuring expectations are met. But if you think, you know, in a, in a bigger way, right, uh, governance is really the art of decision making at the top of organizations. And the board is a body where the key decision making of the organization is taking place. Okay. And, and I'm coming to refer to your book. So we have the high level of board and governance as, as the art of decision making. And I read in your book, you said that today, especially in these turbulent times, the board really has to really rethink its role. Why is that? Well, we, we are living, a, of course, we all know that enormous transformation, but it is an enormous transformation that was in the making much before the COVID crisis, right? Mm-hmm. All this technological transformation, the deglobalization, the 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 uh, stressful geopolitics, the involvement of stakeholders, shareholders themselves flexing their muscles, uh, the concept of stewardship the transformation of how we look at business. For example, I was a few days ago with the chairman of Roche, a pharmaceutical company that provides uh, a large proportion of the COVID tests around the planet. It's the biggest producer of these uh, COVID tests. And uh, when you think big pharma today, you need to think of your profitability in a different way, right? You cannot exploit and... uh, you know, what I would call maximize short-term shareholder value. You need to figure out the long-term game. And so all that transformation of the world makes a level of decision that's a bit higher than the executive team, absolutely essential for the future of organizations. You know, the the lifetime of organizations has shortened a lot. Mm. And... Uh, and somehow that doesn't work in our society. We need organizations that are more resilient. So the role of the board, I, I still like the natural selection process that the capitalistic system offers, of course, mm-hmm. and, and this is essential. But the role of the board to adapt to the context for the organization is a major driving force to success. And that that's very, very hard today. And and in your book, you refer to um, something about this in the market we have today, and it's very volatile, okay? You said there's three what-ifs that the board should consider today in the market. Well, I'm not sure which ones you're referring to, actually, mm. but there are, you know, I think risk thinking has becoming... Uh, prime on boards, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and and what I see there is a necessity to work on scenarios. I think it's uh, very intriguing to me how many boards are not thinking risks through very well. You gave earlier the example of BP for Texas City. I'll, I'll call mm-hmm. the Texas City Macondo Field explosion, you know, of 2010, with yeah. 11 people killed. Uh, and of course, $20 billion of environmental damages, uh, immediate damages, and longer, probably more long term. And uh, there, the risk identification at board level had not been done well. Mm-hmm. I know that on a confidential basis. And so you have, you know, you have this type of uh, situations where, 
where you can see the risk work from the board is not done properly. And today we live in a world of risk. So the risk thinking from the board has to be improved. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned before about long-term thinking and, and, and you gave the example of the pharmaceutical firm. How important is it in the long-term uh, thinking today, especially in the situation we live in today, for boards to also um, have a positive social impact, regardless of the, you know, the, their financial gain. How important is that for boards to look at today? Well, I think it all depends on organizations, to be fair, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if mm-hmm. you're the sovereign wealth fund of a country, uh, like Temasek, let's say, in Singapore, uh, it's obvious that, uh, you know, your social impact and the long term are at the heart of your mission. And, mm-hmm. and I would say that uh, for most organizations, uh, there is a need to uh, rebalance towards longer term and to rebalance towards more social impact. But mind you, it's rather because we have been unbalanced towards the short term than a necessity for organizations to only think the long term. I like the natural selection dynamics, the Darwinian world we live in. And I believe, you know, that long-term organizations that would not pay attention to short-term efficiency are also a problem. And so Mm -hmm. having actors that are very short-term oriented combined with actors that are long-term oriented, I think is the best in an organic system like ours. The problem is that most organizations have been oriented short-term because of the pressure of the markets, but not only, Mm -hmm. even privately held organizations uh, have had short-term pressures. And it has been you know, the philosophy of the time, right? And rebalancing that towards more long-term view and more positive social impact, because after all, you know, what is an organization there for? It's really to serve the customers, to, you know, to employ people, etc. And so we have to look, of course, at the value contribution on that side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're going to take a short break. And... I'd like to, I mean, that this is all really insightful, and I'd like to go a little bit more into, um, you know, how you form these boards and these governances. And in your book, you talk about, um, you know, four crucial pillars of the board, and we're going to try to explore into those after the break. And for our listeners, we are talking today to Professor Dr. Dietier Cousin, And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about his book and the four pillars that are so critical to boards. Now, uh, Dr. Dieter Cousin is a professor at IMD Switzerland and the founder director of the IMD Global Board Center. He is also the author of High Performance Boards, Improving and Energizing Your Governances. And this book is available on Amazon. And he works very closely with boards and senior leaders to provide the latest thinking on best-in-class board effectiveness, dynamics, and design. Now, if you'd like to reach out to him, um, he is on LinkedIn, and I will spell the name. It's Dietier, and it's D-I-D-I-E-R, Cousin, 
C-O-S-S-I-N. You can reach him on LinkedIn, but you can also reach him through IMD. And their website is www.imd.org. And on Facebook, it's IMDB School. And on Twitter, IMDB School also. And on LinkedIn, it's IMD Business School. And under on YouTube, also, you can reach them on IMD and see some videos. The show is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda conducts virtual and live training, conferences, internet radio programs, podcasts, market research, and white papers. Cinda is one of the fastest-growing nonprofit digital and local search networks in Europe with members worldwide. If you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we are talking with Professor Dr. Dietier Cousine. And he is the author of High Performance Boards, Improving and Energizing Your Governance. And this is available on Amazon. And he's also a professor at... IMD Switzerland and the founder of the IMD Global Board Center. Now, um, before we before we took a break, we were just kind of talking at a high level on the responsibilities of boards and um, a little bit about you know, how the landscape has changed today and what boards have to do. And I'd like to come back to your to your book, Dietjera, and you talk in your book about. Um, four pillars that are 
that are very important to boards. Could you kind of give us some insight into that? Yes, of course. What I wanted was to be able to identify quickly what works and what doesn't work in a board. I wanted, you know, in a 15, 20 minutes talk with a chair, with a board member to have a map of what are the potential issues in the board and how healthy is that board. And so from my, my clinical work, right, uh, we've established these four pillars. Uh, the first one, the people side. The second one, the information. Information is very important to the board. The third one is the structures and processes, a long list of structures and processes that are necessary. And the fourth is really about the culture and the dynamics that are happening on the board. And, and these work for all organizations I've worked with. It goes from international organizations, profits, non-profits, large corporates, financials, startups. It's in any environment, these four pillars give you actually a good sense of whether governance works, the board is effective or not. And mind you, Kimberly, 90% of boards are not so good. So it's important to do that assessment. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let's let's start with the, the the first pillar that you identified with on people. Um, you know, I, I always read a lot about you know how people get nominated to boards, and sometimes it's constructive, and sometimes it's not constructive. Um, and the boards are about people. So, what is the best way for boards to to nominate people or to to bring people into boards? Is there a best practice with that? Well, actually, the practice differs uh, very much around the world. Huh? You get nomination committees. Sometimes these nomination committees are from the board. Sometimes they're from outside the board. Eh? In Scandinavia, which has very good governance, you get nomination committees that are actually from shareholders directly. But what I find overall is whatever the system, what matters is what we pay attention to. And on the people side, It's not only their knowledge, knowledge is important, of course, but it's their overall quality, including personality. Uh, But it's also their ability to focus on the right issues. I have boards with excellent people, but they're just not discussing what matters to the organization. And there is a need for a certain level of diversity, of course, and diversity is a big driver of quality governance. And there is also a need for dedication. You see board members that are detached, that don't care very much, and and that doesn't work. I mean, these organizations are complex. You have to have people that are truly committed. And and thus, four dimensions to the people, uh, Peter, if you want, quality, focus, diversity, and dedication. Mm-hmm. And and when you're talking about knowledge on the people, um, how important would it be for for a board or a nominating committee to, to, to measure skills, to do some skill mapping in a board, to, to make sure that you have the right skills? Uh, Kimberly, I'll answer the opposite way, right? Okay. Uh, if, uh, if I see a board without a skill map, it's a big red flag to me, right? <laughs> yes. It means probably it's friends of friends or, you know, it's a usual, you know, old boys network or whatever, right? But of course you need the skill mapping. And by the way, I think most executive teams must be flabbergasted that their boards don't have skill maps. 
Because of course, in executive teams, we all know, you know, there is a diversity of skills that are needed to make a good executive team. And these skills are different for boards, uh, but you still need the skill mapping. And yes, maybe you need someone who has, you know, good regulatory knowledge. You may have someone who has good tech knowledge, right? You may have someone who has good finance knowledge and you need that balancing act between these individuals. Mm-hmm. And and when we're talking about this skill mapping, let me kind of a, a loaded question here um, because we're uh, in Europe. Um, what about forced diversity? Okay, such as such as the, the legislation that was in the EU of um, you know a balance of gender on boards. Do you do you think that works, or, or do you think that probably is is not giving a, a correct balance? Do you have any comment so on not, that? Yeah, you know, of course. I'm not looking at diversity as a moral issue. I'm looking at diversity as an efficiency issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is diversity good for? Diversity is good for innovation and creativity. It's good for stakeholder understanding, uh, having more connectivity uh, to stakeholders. And it's good to avoid blind spots. And so for boards where one or several of these key dimensions are essential, which I would say most boards are today, diversity is important. But I could give you an example, for example, uh, a restructuring in a private equity setting. I don't need much creativity. What I need is strong alignment. And thus there, I would say diversity is not the first factors that I will look at. And I may not be interested in diversity. I, I may prefer to have homogeneous board. And by the way, I work with such a board in South Korea where it's all women, all mm-hmm. women board, right? Strong alignment, right? And, and it works as well. And so forcing diversity is never so good. But mm-hmm. I have to add another dimension, which is that board members at large are part of a network and uh, and the best, of course, they will do diversity when they need it. But you have a lot of mediocrity as well. And unfortunately, in this mediocrity, most board members are not that open to diversity and to gender diversity. And mm-hmm. thus breaking the mold has some purpose as well. So I'm of two hearts. Best-in-class mm-hmm. boards shouldn't be constrained by this type of factors, right? So if I'm an elitist, Right. I, I prefer to have the freedom and and let markets decide. Right. Mm-hmm. And because, of course, those that don't have the diversity, you know, probably won't go very far. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also true. There are many bad habits and it takes a long time to correct these. And so maybe a period in which we force a bit of diversity may make sense. And and I agree with you on diversity, you know, to stimulate innovation, um, and moving from the people. So we we've got the, the we've got the people part of the board. You talk a lot about information architecture. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about how, why that's so important and what you mean by that? Yeah, you know, the quality of the board's decisions depends a lot on the information they get. And uh, and by the way, you know, if I look at the, at the bad cases, the basket cases, right? There is no trust relationship between management and board, and and the information, the critical information, is not elevated. You get big packages of information that hide 
what's critical. And so it's absolutely essential for the board to have good access to information, but for an overall decision-making, and most boards have a huge bias to be lazy and rely on management information, on internal information only. I have a simple rule of thumb. For a good board member, you should have as much external information as you have internal information. And by the way, that information may be formal, you know, reports, websites, uh, etc. But there is a lot of information that's informal, which is one of the advantages of family businesses. You know, in family businesses, it's a Sunday barbecue, right, where the information <laughs> is happening. Yeah. And, and that has a lot of value. And within our listed companies, we don't do that enough, right? Because mm -hmm. the informal side is also important. You know, the, the lunch of the chair with a trade union leader, the uh, perspective from a customer you've crossed paths with. All of these are part of the information you should foster. Mm -hmm. So in, uh, internal, external, formal, informal, uh, your information should come from all avenues there. Um, you know, in today's world, we, we hear a little, a lot about, you know, fake news, okay, <laughs> or fake information. Um, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's terrible, of course. Huh? Yes. By the way, it's not because it's fake. It's not influential. So you need to be aware of it as well. But that, yes. ideally, you know that it's fake, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, that would take me actually to even social media uh, review from the boards, right? Boards are not looking enough into social media platforms. They don't have the tools. They're not educated, which is quite strange in today's uh, world. Uh, boards tend to be a bit conservative there. Uh, but I wouldn't, you know, avoid fake news by just reading the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times, right? I don't think you'll go far enough in terms mm -hmm. of external information. And so we are exposed. I think there is no, no other way uh, to say it and to see it, right? We are exposed. And then it's about yeah. uh, developing the critical mind, which, by the way, is part of good membership, good board membership, you know, because when you get information from management, always you also have to think, right, is management bias? Is there, does management have a blind spot? And so all the time, this is an exercise that you have to do because on a board, you participate to the board, but it's not like an executive team. You're mm -hmm. a pair, which means that you stand on your own perspective. The process of the board is that you come with your independence of mind. You may not be an independent, but mm -hmm. as your contribution to the board, you come with your independence of mind, independence of perspective. You, you don't have a boss. The chair is not the boss of the board. You can yeah. express yourself openly. And, uh, and thus the critical mind is mm -hmm. one of the key dimensions of board uh, membership yeah. quality. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it is it is something we have to deal with today, and I understand it. And um, just just to move on, um, uh, you have two more pillars, but let's just quickly look at structures and processes. Um, how how so we've got you know we've got the people, we've got the information, we're getting the information, and obviously has to go through a process and a structure. Um, what do you, you know? What are the critical aspects to to focus on, and there? So when I think of structures and processes, I think, does the board have an oversight of the long list 
of processes and structures that are required, the audit process, the nomination process, the performance review process, the risk process, the strategy process, the culture of a side process, a long list of processes. And are we aware of all of them? Are we aware of how well run they are? Are we comfortable with how they are? And, uh, and in terms of structures, it's a bit simpler. It's the committees and the committee structure and there. Are we just, you know, uh, compliant or are we creative? Are we figuring out what's the best for the organization or are we doing whatever uh, everybody else is doing? And this is key, right? Great governance is not copy-paste. And great governance is linked to the DNA of the organization. It's figuring out what's right for the organization. And thus, I'll see an organization with a, a social impact committee. I'll see an organization with a tech committee. I'll see an organization with an M&A committee, right? Figure out what's really needed uh, for your own organization. Mm -hmm. And and with that, I'd like to come back and talk about what great governance is after the break. Um, we're going to take, take a short and talk about culture because we didn't touch on that one yet. But we're going to take a, a short break right now. And for our listeners, we are talking with Professor Dr. Dietier Cousin, and he is the professor at IMD Switzerland and the founder director of the IMD Global Board Center. His new book is High Performance Boards, Improving and Energizing Your Governance, and this is available on Amazon. Now, Dietier is also a renowned global clinician in governance, and he is advisor and executive teacher with large corporations, wealth funds, banks, and other organizations from big tech to nonprofit. And if you'd like to reach out to him, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn, and that's Dieter Cousin, and that's D-I-D-I-E-R-C-O-S-S-I-N, and he is on LinkedIn, but you can also reach him through the IMD organization. And their website is www.imd.org. And they are on Facebook and Twitter under IMDB School. And on LinkedIn, they are under IMD Business School. And they also have a YouTube channel under IMD. And if you have questions and comments, you can contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. This broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda has everything from training to conferences to uh, radio programs to podcasts to white papers. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we're talking about boards and governance. And we are talking with Professor Dr. Dietje Cozin, and he's a professor at IMD Switzerland and the founder director of the IMD Global Board Center. He is also the author of High Performance Boards, Improving and Energizing Your Governance. And this is available on Amazon. Now, um, before the break, we were talking about the four pillars that you recognize that are quite important to, to ensure that governance and boards work. And the fourth pillar you talked about is is culture. So could you can you give us some insights to what you mean by culture and and um, you know how important that is in this in puzzle here? With pleasure, Kimberly. I've been struck working with boards how board dynamics can be extremely dysfunctional and the culture of the group of the board is absolutely key to making this work well. You know, I get boards where you have an authoritarian chair or an authoritarian uh, shareholder, by the way, or a disruptive shareholder. Or I have boards that are extremely fragmented where you have groupings you know, sometimes by by language or sometimes by, you know, background. And you have, and so to get a cohesive uh, board is absolutely essential. And, and a board that is not in a consensual type of framework either, that is not on a perpetual maybe, on a, on a perpetual hesitancy, yeah? that's decisive. And so we need we need a strong culture that is based on integrity, on accountability, and on constructive dissent, on the ability for each board member to dissent, but constructively, uh, and to bring a differentiated view that is constructive to the overall organization. 
And so culture is absolutely fundamental uh, from that angle. And the best chair, chairman, chairwoman know that and they foster that culture on the board, for example, by calling on people that are participating less, by, you know, keeping down a bit zoos that are shining a bit too much and making sure that the board becomes, you know, a whole that works well. Mm-hmm. And are you able to 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 shift culture within a board? Because that's a, that's always a question that I come up against with with leadership or companies. Um, you know, the the culture of a company. Do you, do you think it's possible to mold that culture if you have a culture that's not working or, or is 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 not as effective as it should be? It's amazing how you can move culture on a board, actually. I'm mm-hmm. very impressed by that. Uh, and I do it so, you know, I've got my tricks, right, being a clinician. And I've, mm-hmm. uh, I've done it with different organizations, for example, uh, with uh, one, of the, uh, the, the, one of the Scandinavian uh, uh, oil and gas companies that is moving into renewables and where the board members were quite uh, uh, micromanagers. And uh, they wanted always to take over from management, etc. And uh, I took them, you know, separately, one by one, talked to them. Then we had a, a meeting together and the transformation was fantastic. In two days of work, and the transformation wow. was uh, fantastic. And the ability to work in complementarity to management, it didn't become, it didn't come from bad intention. It uh, mm-hmm. really came from a dynamics that was not right. And the, and the chair that was quite subtle and not frank enough about it. He was worried about it, but he couldn't address it so well. And sometimes the chair is not quite at the level of transforming the board. And here is, uh, you know, that combination of our support of each board member becoming aware that it was a problem. And each one of them, you know, wanting the best for the organization, which, by the way, is the largest organization in the country, um, mm-hmm. they were able to transform fundamentally. And I give you that example, but I give you, I could give you quite a few others. Huh? It's, um, well, I'm thinking of one large humanitarian organization. I'm thinking of one large bank. Uh, it, this, this is something that can be changed. And by the way, that's one of my great pleasures as an educator, uh, the abilities that we have to transform ourselves for the better. And this is, you know, this is so human, right? This is such a great quality of us, right? Of that ability. And it exists on boards as well. And that's really positive news and some positive examples um, to, to helping mold, you know, boards, helping them find their culture and a more effective culture. And I want to come back to something that you said a little bit earlier. And, and you, you, you said that um, governance was the DNA of, you know, the company at the board. What did you mean by that? Well, you see, governance is really how the shareholder, the management and the board are taking different roles and interacting with, with each other and with the stakeholders around it, right? And making the key decisions through their respective bodies and representation. And, and that is very much at the heart of the modern corporation. 
and and of course the board there the board role is critical into that system and when you look at the principles behind right uh, that uh, overall structure of governance that triangle if you want between uh, the owners uh, the management and uh, the board you you have some values that are behind right the again mm-hmm. the integrity the openness the ability to work together uh, that are essential to the success of the organization and uh, and thus that's why i'm calling that dna because it's almost the lifeblood of uh, large organizations mm-hmm. and how important in that because you mentioned roles how important it is uh, is it to have a clarity of roles within a board huge I'll give you a simple example. I don't see a good peer CEO chair without having privately clarified together their roles. Uh, it's absolutely essential. Uh, so in cases where the CEO and chair are not combined, which is now the majority of cases even in the USA, uh, it's absolutely key that the CEO knows what the chair thinks of his role or her role and vice versa. And uh, and uh, I find that exercise of clarification, uh, well, when we talk to a representative from these parts of the world, right, you're the one doing it. Uh, when uh, we talk to employees, I'll never shine. I'll always be in the back, right? The CEO is the face, right? Having this type of discussion and having that clarification is absolutely essential to the trust that is necessary between the two. And that expands to the board at large, etc. But I think it's so obvious and so significant for that pairing of the chair and the CEO that, uh, and in the best organization, you know, this is a tandem. And it's a strange relationship, right? Because it is based on trust. But uh, everybody knows who fires whom, right? Mm-hmm. So it's still, uh, you know, it, it, it's a trust, but it's a realistic trust, right? So it's uh, being friendly, yeah. but not being friends, right? Yeah, and, exactly. uh, uh, but that's key. Huh? That's key. That's key. And and when you talk about you know trust, I mean, uh, and you and before you said you know in, in governance, one of the things is values. Um, how? You know, how important is it to have clarity on the values in order to build that trust? You know, clarity from the people in different roles, clarity to the organization going up and down. Um, is there a relationship between the, the, the clarity of the values and gaining trust? Well, I think values are fundamental in our thinking in, a, in the corporate world today. Mm-hmm. We've moved away, of course, from the 1980s, from the Friedman's type of perspectives, etc., and uh, and there are basic values that I think should be expressed because they they you know all of them have their own identity. I don't think there are better ones, right? But it is our organization, and an organization has its own personality, like you and me, and you know our listeners. Each one of us has a personality, and an organization has a personality. And so maybe it's agility, right? That's central. Maybe it's solidity. Maybe it's resilience. Maybe it's integrity. Uh, 
And we all have our weaknesses too. And so I'm always asking myself, right, do we express those that we are weak on to reinforce them or do we figure out what our strength is? But in any case, a reflection on values and working out the values is part of the character and personality of the organization that we want to foster for its success. Um, and and what about conflict? I mean, you know, every board has some kind of conflict. I mean, and there's healthy conflict and not healthy conflict. Any word, a couple words of advice on dealing with conflict? Yeah, when uh, when conflicts are conflicts of ideas and not conflicts of person, it doesn't become personal. Mm. And uh, actually, having conflicts is the right thing. And I would say that my best measure there is what I would call psychological safety. Can people express what they feel is a conflict without feeling threatened? Uh, So psychological safety on the board is uh, fundamental and, uh, and a big driver also of the quality of the board. Yeah. Very important. Um, I have a thousand more questions I could ask you, but we're getting towards the end of the show. And I think I'm going to, you know, um, it, some some little bit of parting advice. You know, there's always that question, you know, as I did in my intro, where was the board? OK, um, so we have a lot of executives listening. We have board members listening. We have, you know, company directors listening. Um, if you kind of had a summary on advice on governance and boards, and you had to kind of put it all together in two minutes. What would you say to our listeners about this? Um, Other than reading your book, which is fantastic to my listeners, I have read it. It's a great book. Please do read it. So, um, Ditya, what's your kind of wrap-up message? Well, first, boards and governance at large is not so good yet. We're working on it. It's improving. Uh, you've mentioned many stories, the Boeings of the world, the Volkswagens of the world, etc., the wire cards. I mean, many cases, right, that are terrible. And thus, you know, we have to figure it out. But governance is complex. It's like health. It's like health in a human being, right? There are many dimensions to consider. You know, you don't get healthy by only exercising, right? You also have to eat right. You also have to figure out your mental state, etc., right? So it's a It's a complex environment, and governance is the same. The four pillars is an easy, straightforward way to think about it. And by the way, I've applied it to all types of organizations, but even to councils of ministers in countries, because governance in a country is not that different from what we are talking about. So I would suggest whatever organization you're involved with, a school board, a uh, family businesses, a large corporation, a non-profit you contribute to, uh, always think governance because governance is the key driver of performance in today's environment, an environment of complexity, an environment of uncertainty where the art of decision-making, governance in short, has become the key driver of performance. Great. I mean, super words for our listeners. Thank you very, very much. Um, our listeners, we've been speaking today with Professor Dr. Dietje Cousine. 
and he is a professor at IMD Switzerland and the founder director of the IMD Global Board Center. Now, he is also the author of High Performance Boards, Improving and Energizing Your Governance. And this is available on Amazon, and I would highly recommend reading it. Um, I did read it. It was a fantastic book, a lot of insights, a lot of things that we talked about today. Now, Dieter is also a renowned global clinician on governance, and he is an advisor and executive teacher with large corporations, wealth funds, banks, and other organizations from big tech to nonprofit. You can find him on LinkedIn, so please reach out to him on LinkedIn, and his name is spelled D-I-D-I-E-R and C-O-S-S-I-N. Now, you can also reach out to him through the IMD, and their website is imd.org, and they are on Facebook and Twitter under IMD B-School. And they're on LinkedIn under IMD Business School. And they also have a YouTube channel under IMD. So, um, Professor Cuisine, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really insightful. Thank you. It was my pleasure, Kimberly. And listeners, thank you very much for listening to us again today. And Please remember that this broadcast is brought to you also by Cinda, Cinda Virtual, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital and marketing and local search associations. It holds digital conferences, both virtual and live. It has the Cinda Academy and is available 24 hours a day under www.cinda.org. And please remember to tune in to us, Leadership Beyond Borders, on Voice America's business channel every Tuesday at 3 p.m. And if you happen to miss us live, then don't worry because we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major podcast platform. And with that, thank you very much for listening today and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.